Welcome back to Daring Faith, the key to miracles. Today we're talking about the power of imagination. Your imagination is a gift God has given you. It's that ability that you have to envision things in your mind that don't actually exist in reality, in the physical space, and yet they could. And this is something that God has given you as a gift that makes you like your creator God. It's what it means to be made in the image of God. When God created this world, he first imagined it, and then he spoke it into being. And when you create things, you're like God. God smiles when you use your creativity. There's so many good things that can be brought into the world that start in our imagination. Peter Skillman has a challenge that he's replicated thousands of times. He calls it the spaghetti challenge. He's inviting participants to use their imagination to build a tower with some very simple ingredients. You get some uncooked spaghetti, a piece of string, a piece of tape, and a marshmallow. You have 20 minutes to construct the highest tower you can. The only stipulation is the marshmallow has to be at the top. So at the end of the time limit, if the tower stands still for three seconds, it's measured from the base to the top of the marshmallow. As I said, he's done this thousands of times. You know who ends up doing the best of all the age groups out of this? Kindergarten students. On the other end of the spectrum, you know who does worst? College-age business students. They don't do very well at this because they spend all of their time determining who's going to be in charge, planning things out, whereas the kindergartners just jump in, and they start collaborating, and they start saying, well, what if we do this? And they start experimenting. And I think one of the keys to this success they have is that they do talk to one another, and they have imagination that is unfettered. They just will try anything. And that's, I think, what we want to look at and emulate is how do we recapture that imagination that God gave us? Because everything good that comes into the world starts in our imagination. The building I'm in right now started as a vision and a dream and an imagination, and then skilled people were able to take that and bring it into reality. Every company, every business, every book, every piece of art, music, culinary dish, all the good things that we enjoy about life started as some imagination in someone's mind. In fact, you can't make plans without imagination. You have to envision, well, what will happen if I do this? Or what will happen if I do that? Imagination is such a crucial part of our lives. In fact, imagination is a tool. You can use it in so many ways. The problem with that is that imagination can be used for evil as well as good. And God knows that when he gives us this tool. It's a very powerful thing that we have. I like what uh, David Hansen says, a fertile spiritual imagination is just as good at growing weeds as a crop. It's a good reminder. It's a good warning, which is why the Bible tells us there are just some things you should not imagine. You should not use your mind to think about these things. One of the top ones, and I think you would already know this, evil intentions are not a good use of your imagination. Back in 2011, author Nancy Crampton Brophy wrote a short story entitled, How to Murder Your Husband. And in this short story, she imagined what it would like, be like to murder someone and get away with it. She talked about studying police procedure because she obviously didn't want to spend the rest of her life in prison if she did take someone else's life. She said, let me be really clear, too, in this short story that was fiction, I won't look good in an orange jumpsuit, so I certainly don't want to get caught. Well, guess whose husband died a few years later? And guess whose husband also happened to have a huge life insurance policy? Yep. Well, Nancy didn't have to worry about wearing an orange jumpsuit. It was blue, so she was okay. There are things that we just don't want to imagine, and we certainly don't want them to become reality. If you go back to the beginning of all things, our first parents, Adam and Eve, are talked about in the book of Genesis in the Bible. It says in that early time in the world, Adam and Eve sinned against God. They brought sin and destruction and death into the world through their choices when they chose to disobey God. And the world became a really dark place very quickly. 
This is early on in human history. It says in the Bible in Genesis 6, 5 and 6, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he'd ever made them and put them on the earth, and it broke his heart. You know, even today, people still use their imaginations for things like revenge, which is completely inappropriate, because you're imagining in your mind what you would do to someone that's wrong, uh, what you would say, what you even physically would do to harm them. God says very clearly, leave vengeance to me. Just don't, don't imagine it, much less do it. You know, another thing the Bible warns us against is using your imagination in lust to imagine in your mind something that would be inappropriate in real life. The scripture is very clear, especially if you're a Christian. Uh, You shouldn't reenact in your mind or enact in your mind something that God would clearly say you shouldn't do with another person in the real world. Don't do that. You know, something else that all of us are guilty of and we shouldn't do with our imagination is worry. You're literally creating scenarios and situations in your mind that don't actually exist and getting stressed over them. They're not real, and yet your anxiety is that response that you feel. Why don't we use our imagination to imagine all the good things that could happen, not just the bad things? So many things that we should not use our imagination to do. The Bible also tells us, though, there's some things that you just really couldn't imagine. Not that you shouldn't. Sure, go run in that direction with your mind. It's just that whatever you think of and conceptualize, it's probably going to fall short of the reality. When you get to the things of God, for example, that's one of those areas where you're just not going to be able to conceptualize him accurately. He's just too big. I love it that God is that great that no matter how much I think about how grand and powerful he is, I'm going to come up short. It makes me feel comfortable to know that God is bigger than even what I can imagine or conceive of. And I get a glimpse of that, and you do too, when you just look at the physical universe that God created. It is enormous. I love this. Last year, science hit a huge milestone, and they confirmed something that Albert Einstein had postulated over 100 years ago when we were able to photograph for the first time ever a black hole. Scientists were able to train telescopes on the enormous Messier 87 galaxy at the black hole at the center of it. It took the work of so many years, hundreds of scientists, thousands of pounds of hard drives to create this image. And obviously, we're not actually taking a picture of a black hole. We're taking a picture of the light around the event horizon. So, so many intelligent, gifted scientists, people working hard with their imagination to to show us just a little glimpse of the universe that God imagined and spoke into being just like that. It's the good work of an entire lifetime to explore on the macro level and on the micro level the the intricacies and the intelligence behind the creation that God imagined and spoke into being. It makes my head hurt in a good way to think about all of these things. And this is, it's a good use of your imagination to try to think and understand this. And then we're just talking about the physical realm. Let's get into the spiritual realm. I think it's hard to realize just how powerful and how much authority Jesus has, for example. If you were to go over in the Bible to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Jesus made the things that we can see, and Jesus made the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was made through him. It was made for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all the creation together. You just can't imagine how powerful Jesus is. I'll tell you something else you really couldn't imagine if you try is just how much God loves you. You should try. You should just realize that however much you think he loves you, it's more. It should make you very happy. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. 
Which is why I think another thing, when people think about heaven, in their most honest moments, people go, yeah, I don't know, I'm really interested in going there. It's just because we just can't imagine the beauty and the greatness and the fulfillment we're going to find there in heaven. We just, we just, our imaginations fail us, I guess I'd say. So there's some things we shouldn't imagine. There's some things we couldn't imagine. But the Bible also does tell us there's some things you should be spending a lot of time thinking about. If you go over in your Bible to Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, this is a powerful command, especially if you're a Christian. You, you should really pay attention to this and, and obey this. If you're not even a Christian, this would still be helpful for you. It says, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. What, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And I just love that idea. He says, fix your thoughts. That means just focus your attention, meditate, ponder, dwell on. Pick some good, wholesome, healthy things for your mind to, to ruminate on, to imagine. And you might be saying, okay, Brian, does that mean I just have to like, think about the Bible all the time, which is not realistic? Well, there are a lot of good things in here, and you should be meditating on God's word. It will help you. It will help you inculcate truth into your life. One thing we want to help you with here during the Daring Faith campaign is we're memorizing a little scripture every week. They're short. It's possible for you to do this. We're already a couple weeks in, but you can catch up quickly. Uh, if you're not already doing this, we actually have a Daring Faith bookmark that has each memory verse for each week on it. If you're not yet attending in-person services and you don't have one of these or didn't even know this existed, I would just, just reach out to me. We'll get it to you, and we'll mail it to you, or you can just stop by the building during the week and put your mask on, come in and get it, and we'll make sure you get that. But So we should be thinking about this, because this is good, lovely, pure content. But you know what else is good, lovely, and pure, and wholesome? Chocolate, coffee, woodworking, aerodynamics, writing lessons. There's so many things in life that we could be thinking about that fall into these categories. What you're going to get your wife for Christmas. This is worthy of your energy and your imagination. So here's the thing now. You might be thinking, well, what does imagination have to do with daring faith? Is there a connection? Absolutely. What kind of a connection might there be between imagination and faith? I'd say it this way. Your faith, your trust in God is fueled by your imagination you are able to imagine things that may even be literally impossible for you. But here's where the faith part comes in. Are they impossible for God? Do you have enough trust in him, his ability, his goodness, his generosity, to ask him to do something in the real world that is impossible for you, but not at all impossible for him? See, here's the thing. Faith fueled by imagination often produces God-sized miracles. I want to take you to a true story in the Bible that illustrates this so clearly. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark today, and I'd invite you to turn there and look at this. This is a fantastic true story. It's about several men, several guys, who had a friend who was paralyzed, who had never walked in his entire life. They were convinced if they got their friend in front of Jesus that he would be healed, that Jesus would heal their friend, make him able to walk again. And so that took some faith in and of itself. To, to conceive that a man could heal another man. But as they got their friend to Jesus, they hit a roadblock. Let me just read you what happened here. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, news spread quickly. He was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room, even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. 
They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, above Jesus' head. Then they lowered their friend, the man on this mat, right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. I would like to invite you just to use your imagination to recreate this scene in your mind, what happened. These guys had great faith in Jesus. Their imagination saw a future where their friend could walk. They clearly believed this was a possibility. And yet when they got to the house, there were so many people who had already got there to listen to Jesus teach that the house was crowded. It was a crowd spilling out into the courtyard and into the street. They literally could not make their way through to get their friend in front of Jesus. That's when their imagination kicked in. I have a question for you. Whose idea was it for them to go up on the roof, dig a hole through the thatch, and lower their friend in front of Jesus? See, there's a way of thinking, and if you're a Christian or maybe not, maybe you've just thought this way before. You say, well, God's got a plan. And what sometimes I find people mean by that is that God has carefully scripted every single detail of life out, and you're basically just following a script that someone has already written, as if you don't really have a choice. And I don't think that's true. Whose idea was it for them to lower their friend through the roof? I firmly believe it was their idea. They were the first ones who used their imagination and some uncooked spaghetti and string and said, we can make this happen. We can get our friend in front of Jesus. And they dared enough to to do this. And God said, I like how you're thinking. I like where your head's at. I'm going to help you make this work. And so Jesus is teaching and this man lowers down below him. And uh, I want you to think about the faith of the man who was on the mat being lowered through the ceiling. That was really high. What do you think he was saying to his friends? Like, guys, I'm already paralyzed. Don't make it any worse. You can't drop me. And if you don't think it's high, I invite you right now, just go get a stepladder, go stand on it, and then look down and imagine that's you coming through your ceiling. And I'll wait. Go ahead and do it. It was high up. This, was a, this took a lot of faith and a lot of guts, a lot of imagination to do. And yet it worked, and he was healed. I just have a question for you. I just wonder what good things could come to be in your life if you just would dream and imagine and dare to ask God to do it. Things that maybe would never happen, but that it occurred to you that this could be a reality, and maybe I can't make it happen, but God definitely could. Part of daring faith is you unlocking your imagination so that you can dream bigger dreams about what God could do than you ever have before. I want you to dream and visualize what God could do, for example, with your career. Maybe you're right now, you're in middle school, and you're thinking about the rest of your life and what that's going to look like, or you're in high school or college, and you're, or you're in the end of a first career and thinking about maybe embracing a second one. What if you invite God into that conversation? What if you open up your imagination and just say, what could be? What things might be if God got involved? just to give him permission to give you a more compelling dream for your life than the one you've had up to this point. It's never too late to do that. Some of you, you're new parents. Why don't you let God guide and fuel your imagination about what your life for your young person could look like as they grow up, your little one? You don't have to assume that it's always going to be a a bad world that they're going out into. You can envision good things. Some of you, maybe for you, you're the first person in your family who's come back to faith and come to God. Maybe you need to imagine and visualize a life where you've set a direction that extends on through your children to your grandchildren and great-grandchildren who all grow up knowing the Lord because of the things you're doing now. Let God fuel your faith and your imagination. Some of you, you need to be asking about what God can do with your future. 
You need to let your imagination run about what your finances could look like with God involved. You need to look at what God could do with your talent that he's given you. There's so many things. Some of you need to be thinking about what God could do in your final years of your life. Go out swinging. Go out hard. You know, just completely sold out to God. Go out tired because you were able to imagine so many great things and God was able to bring those to fulfillment. I'm praying for you. The same thing the Apostle Paul prayed for some of his friends. This is back in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light. Literally, that God will open the eyes of your heart so that you can understand the confident hope that God has given to those he called. His holy people who are rich and in his, his rich and glorious inheritance. Now look at that. That is an image we looked at a couple of weeks ago that God would flood our hearts with light or that he would open the eyes of our heart. What is he praying there? He's just simply asking that God would embolden our imaginations to, to open them up to potentials that we just never considered before. Because God's got a vision for you. He's got a calling for you. He's got a purpose for you. And he wants you to see it. He wants to see it with your own heart and your own eyes. A lot of people miss their calling for their lives. Why is that? I think if we're just being very honest, we're following our own dreams for our life instead of even stopping to ask, God, what might be your dream for my life? Which one do you think is going to turn out better? If you want satisfaction in your life, if you want peace, if you want to look back and be proud of the things that you've done, you need to invite God into that conversation to imagine a and let God help you imagine a better life than you've ever imagined for yourself. Let God fuel your imagination, which in turn will fuel your faith. I want you to realize that what God can envision for you is so big and so enormous, you can't even wrap your mind around it. And you're going to be so proud of what happens. I want to go back to Ephesians again. We read Ephesians 3.20 earlier. I want to read it again out of the message paraphrase. It says, God can do anything, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he doesn't do that by pushing us around, but by working within us, in his spirit, deeply and gently within us. So let God fuel your imagination and let God teach you to dream big dreams. Open yourself up to that. He wants you to use that imagination he gave you and just to say, what if? Base your dreams not on what you think you could accomplish, why don't you base your dreams on what you think God could accomplish? Because God can do the impossible, and he can do that. And he loves doing that through real people like you and me. Let me give you some questions to get started if you want to think about using your imagination. What would it be like to have a God-driven life? There's three simple questions you can ask these. And by the way, before I get into them, I just want to say to you, if you're feeling a little tinge or a big tinge of regret, like I think I've missed my purpose for life, I want to tell you something. We're talking about from today forward. And God brought you here for a reason. Today is the day that maybe he wants to have this conversation with you. God's not in a hurry. He's got all the time in the world. He knows how much time he has to work with you. And he's not put off by the bad choices you made in the past. He can redeem all of that. Let's just talk about where we can go from today. For You will be amazed at what God can do in just a little bit of time if you'll just yield it to him. You're going to be so excited about this. Here's three questions. These should guide your thoughts for the rest of today, and this is worthy of taking some time this week to think about. What if, why not, and why not me? Pastor Rick Warren talks about these questions, and they're just so powerful. What if, why not, and why not me? What if just opens your mind to possibilities. What if I did this? What if I said that? What if I committed to go here or to do that? 
then why not is what happens when you look at the world and you realize there are things that are broken and things that are not as they should be and that hurts your heart and you feel like somebody needs to do something, that might be God's way of saying, open your imagination. Maybe I want to do something about that through you. Maybe the reason you care about it is because you're the person that God's going to use to solve it. So what if, why not? Why hasn't this been solved yet? Why can't we fix this? Why can't we build a bridge so a church and a school can be built? Why can't we work on this so that there can be a vaccine? Why can't we get enough people mobilized that there's enough money to take care of this? Why can't we raise enough money to get the food to these people so they don't starve to death? See what I'm saying? Just use your imagination to, to not just accept the status quo, but to imagine a world where this thing is fixed and it's solved with the power of God. What if, why not, and why not me? Why couldn't God use you in a place that you never imagined? And maybe God wants you to dream some bigger dreams than you've ever dreamed before to use you to make a significant difference in the world. I don't know if that ever has occurred to you before that somebody like you could be used by God, but God uses imperfect people all the time. In fact, there aren't any other kind of people that he could choose from. You are perfect for what God has made you to do. Let your imagination run free in good directions. Remember that guy who came through the roof and he got healed? What did Jesus first tell him? It's the very last thing that we read. Jesus looked at that man on the mat and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Which is odd because the thing he's there for is obviously healing, not forgiveness. But Jesus looks at our hearts and he sees desperately what we need most. And when Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven, it really offended some of the people in the room. They didn't say it out loud, but they thought to themselves, who does this guy think he is? Healing? Forgiving people's sins? He think he's God or something? And Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he called them out on it. And they're in the front row, and he just said to them, I know that you've got a problem with me saying his sin's forgiven, but let me ask you a question. What's easier to say to a person? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And the implication is here, I invite you all to do either one of those. Oh, no, you can't? Okay, then why don't you let God do what he does? He said to the man, get up and walk, and the man got up and walked. And the implication is that not only can God heal someone, but that Jesus does have the authority to forgive someone. So let your imagination run free. God wants to do so much more in you than you could ever imagine. Look, there are some things that are truly impossible for us. Don't let that limit your thinking. What's impossible for us is not at all impossible for God. I just want you to pray. I want you to ask God for direction. I want you to pray prayers like this. God, I want to dream something that's bigger than what I could do on my own. I want it to be clear at the end of the day that I didn't get credit for this, but that, God, you get credit for it because there's no way I could have done this in my own energy, my own talent, my own power. I want you to get the glory for what happened. Let the size of God determine the size of your goal. I love what Pastor Rick Warren says. This is so challenging. He says, God's looking for people who are tired of small thinking and petty living and weak-willed goals and self-centered dreams. I told you I was going to press you hard on this uh, Daring Faith campaign. I want to challenge you because I want you to dream bigger dreams than you have before. I want you to, to know that there's more to life than just living comfortably in the suburbs. God made you for so much more than that. 
And he made Connection Christian Church to do so much more than just to get into a building and be comfortable. There are so many people around us who are one heart attack, one car accident, one cancer diagnosis away from eternity. What are we going to do to help them know the love of God and find a connection through a church family where we truly love each other? This is an amazing church family, and we shouldn't keep it to ourselves. We need to dream big dreams about what God can do through us as a church together when we trust him. God is looking for people who will step up and step out and go and say, look, I don't know what I can do, but I know what you and I together can do. Let's go. Let's think about this. You can be better. You can be living a greater life than you are right now. I really believe that. And I think you should start believing that for yourself. And it all starts with imagining what God could do in you. For some of you, I know I'm talking to you, you're not a Christian, or maybe at some point in your life you did something, but you've walked so far away you need to reconnect with God. You need to imagine a life where Jesus is your Lord and he's calling the shots and you're trusting him and you're, you're finding so much joy. You need to imagine yourself saying yes to Jesus as your leader and imagine yourself being baptized into him. That's the first step of true life. That's the first miracle God wants to do in everyone is to bring them from death to life, from lost to found. He wants you to be saved. I want you to say yes to God. I want you to say yes to him using your imagination. Great lives are built on great dreams. Great churches are built on great dreams. And you can be part of both of that. Would you just trust God and turn to him? Let me pray for you right now. Father, I want to say that we know that you enable people to dream big dreams. And we want that for ourselves. I want to ask you to forgive us because so many times we have settled for things that are so much smaller than what you would have given us if we'd simply asked. I want to ask you to just give us a sense of confidence that there are so many great things in our future, that there is so much more that could be, should be, and will be when we simply ask you and we trust you. We're coming into this time, we just fully expect with daring faith that you're going to do more than we could ever even ask or imagine. We confidently trust you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.